Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to welcome you to the second episode of our Talk with TT. This is a chance for us to meet people in the Colchester Baptist Church, and I'm really delighted to welcome Fiona Maynard, who's been part of the church nearly two years. And welcome, Fiona. It's good to have you. Thank you very much. And I hope this is a good experience for you. Now, you've got this beautiful, soft accent. Tell me where you grew up. Uh, well, I was born in Glasgow. Um, I was there. My dad was a minister in the Free Church of Scotland, Presbyterian Church, and um, we were there for some time. And then when I was about nine, he had a really bad um, accident, and the denomination decided to move him because he needed a lighter congregation, a lighter charge, um, that wasn't going to be demanding on him. And we moved to Oban in the west coast of Scotland um, when I was ten, and that was that was a, it was lovely. Uh, it's a beautiful place, of course. M yes. Many. Well, I've been there probably and then when I was 15 we moved to Edinburgh also with the same reason because dad was moving to a different congregation. Fantastic. Now how was school for you? Some people thrive at school, some people kind of find it difficult. What was it like for you? Yeah um, I found primary school wasn't too bad um, but when we moved to Auburn I was just about to be moving up to high school and I found that transition very difficult. The, the kids in Auburn had always lived in Auburn and they'd made the friendship groups and it was difficult for me to fit in. Um, in that place, if you, if you, because I came from Glasgow, um, they kind of thought I was going to be really rough and tough and, and have a, a hatch under my jacket and they were a bit scared <laughs> of what I would be like. Um, and then they discovered I was a minister's daughter and that made me even worse because they didn't want to talk to me because they thought I'd be too goody goody. So I was a little bit shunned in Auburn and I found school quite difficult there. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, did you do A-levels, go to college? What? Tell me what happened next in the higher education? In well, I, I did high school and then I left school and went to work in the bank for two years. I went to work for the Royal Bank of Scotland. Cool. And, um, you know, that was really good. But in that period that we skipped over quite quickly, I became a Christian, which was quite transforming for me. And after I'd been in the bank for two years, um, I was very clearly called to go to Bible college. And so I did that for three years. That was very, very significant and a very clear option mm. And a minister's daughter and you became a Christian. Some people think that, you know, when you're brought up in a Christian family, go to church. I remember Billy Graham says just because you're a car and park in the garage doesn't make you a car. I just, um, so tell me about your own story of coming to faith on your own. What, how did that happen? Um, well, um, what I found was my... The Free Church Scotland is a very strict denomination, so there was an awful lot of rules of things that I couldn't do. And because my dad was a minister, um, our family was sort of held up in a little bit of a pedestal. We had to be better than everybody else to prove that we were good. You know, it was a little bit like that. Um, and anyway, the result was that I rebelled against it all and uh, went completely the other way. Um, and I found that I just... I just rejected it. However, I had enough respect for mum and dad. I didn't want to hurt them too much. So a lot of what I did, I kept quiet. They didn't know. They, they knew of my rebellion, but other people didn't know about it so, so much. I kept going to church at least on Sundays and kept up that facade. But I found that when I went into church on Sunday, I just switched my brain off. Yeah. Um, and didn't listen, I wasn't interested. I didn't want to learn. I didn't want to know about it. Um, and I had, after leaving, well, before leaving school actually, but then while I left school, I had another whole life going on where I did had another whole group of friends and I did a lot of um, the pubs and clubs and nightclubs and discos in Edinburgh. That was my life and that was the life I wanted. 
and um, you know it really was I kind of felt like I had a double life because although I was still going to church but didn't like it there was a huge group of young people at our particular church there was loads of um, teenagers and students and they were a great group of people and I could see as an outsider which I was really because I wasn't a Christian I could see that they were close to each other that they had a sort of common bond that I wasn't part of and only part of me wanted to be part of their group because it was a very spiritual group and and part of me sort of sneered a little bit at it but the other part of me that that was a bit lonely did want to be part of that group however I did have my other life and my other friends um so for some time I kept the two lives sort of running alongside and trying to work them as best I could but I was finding that more and more um I was questioning what I was doing and what I wasn't doing and um, how I was living my life. And so I came to a point where I just decided to get off the fence, make up my mind and get on with it. And so I committed myself to God. That was that was the decision I made was to commit to God. I could see that the people in the church, there was a genuineness about them. Um, mm. Whereas I felt with my other friends, I kind of always had to try and be on top and try and prove that I was good fun and that I could be one. I was always chasing this dream of being one worse than everybody else so mm. that they wouldn't think I was weird for being a minister's daughter or being in a Christian yeah. family. So I really had gone quite extreme. And um, but I made my decision and uh, went with it. I was in my room, my bedroom one night, my cousin was there, we were having a sleepover and she was a Christian and we were just, I started asking her lots of questions that I should have known the answer to, having been brought up in the church, but didn't because I'd switched off. Um, and what I found was that all the reasons I'd had in my head before for why I didn't want to become a Christian, they just evaporated. It felt like I was trying to grasp them and, and so that I could say to her, why I wasn't going to do this and yet suddenly I just couldn't remember any of them and there seemed to be no obvious reason at all why yeah. I shouldn't become a Christian and at that point I committed myself to God. How old were you at the time? I was 18. 18, fabulous. Okay so you went to Bible College in the city of Glasgow. Yep I did. And what were you studying? Uh, I was just doing a, a, a diploma in theology. Yeah. Right. And so, that was what, a yeah. two or three year course? Three year, three year course, yeah. Um, and then was it at the college you met a certain young man who you... I were... did, yes. So, yes, that's what I call. Right, who is the senior minister of Colchester Baptist Church for our listeners. Um, yeah. Are you able to share with us how that kind of courtship began or... <laughs> well, yes, I was already at the college. I'd been there for some time and then he came along the following year. Um, and he was one of these people who was all full of energy and full of life and almost had a crowd around him and that kind of thing. And I thought he was awful. He was far too uh, <laughs> demanding attention and wanting everybody to be, you know, in his group kind of thing. And, and that's not the kind of person I was looking at. However, with time and um, perseverance from Cole and, uh, you know, being flattered I suppose you know I eventually gave in and uh, because he, he did come looking after me um, and then we got together and we got married while we were still at college oh fantastic That's yeah great. yeah awesome and um what happened after that then in terms of you finished college you're a married couple where did you go what was your next step 
And well, after that, um, we, we left Glasgow and Cole went to study at um, London Bible College, it was called then. And um, he studied there because he wanted to become, he decided he wanted to be a minister. So he had to go and do that course. And then he had to do a part-time course at Regent's Park College in Oxford. There's a lot of studying to be a minister. You don't just walk into it. <laughs> Um, but we also had, he, he then got um, his first church, which was in um, in Oxfordshire, in Kidlington, a place called Kidlington in Oxfordshire. Um, and we were there for some time. And he was there as the associate minister um, and youth, and sort of youth pastor. Yeah, he did a lot with the young people there. And, and what were you doing whilst he was studying at London Bible College? I was working. I was working um, to support him, um, but just at that point, just in shop, I worked in, yeah. I think it was Tams or Dorothy Perkins or something like that, just, uh, you know, um, I also worked in uh, Prenuptia, the bridal shop in Hanover Square in London, which I loved that job. Fantastic. Yeah, that's what I was doing, because I knew it was only going to be temporary until he finished, and then we would be moving on, which yeah. we did to Kidlington. Yeah. Yeah. And where were your two sons born? You've got two sons. Yeah, they were both born in when we were in Kidlington, yeah, okay. they were both there. We had, um, we had Ross first, he's the oldest, and then Wesley came along. Both yeah. born in the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford. Oh, wow, yeah, terrific. Just changing tack, um, we're living through some very uh, different times, aren't we, um, with coronavirus. Um, how are you coping with lockdown? Um, Lockdown for me has not been so dramatic as it may have been for other people because I, as a care, carer, I still go to work every day and rush around all day and come home exhausted. So that hasn't really changed. Um, what has changed, of course, is the inevitable of being able to go out and, and see your friends and have meals and all that kind of thing. But um, it's just not been quite so uh, dramatic for me. And uh, it's, yeah. And, and what are you most looking forward to when lockdown ends? Oh my goodness, I want to go shopping. I want to get my done. I want to go out for a meal. I want to see friends and have coffees and all of that kind of thing. Just get that's great. I don't necessarily want life to be back in every respect to the way it was, but definitely in that respect to do and to give people hugs. And I want to see my family. You know, I miss my boys are living further south. Uh, my mum's in Scotland and she's very ill and I can't get to her. And uh, I'd love to be able to do all of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, and in terms of uh, Colchester Baptist Church, when did you first become part of the church? Because you've had a two-step journey, haven't you? Yes, it was really strange. Yes, we were here um, in 2000 uh, when Cole was in the army. Because um, after being in Baptist ministry for nine years, he then came, became part of the army um, as a chaplain. And uh, we came to Colchester in 2000. He was with the para. Um, the chaplain for Three Para, and um, I came to um, Colchester Baptist Church with the boys at that time. And Cole would come along whenever he wasn't preaching at the Garrison Church, um, and we were very involved. Well, we were fairly involved with the church at that time, and people were just—it was such a welcoming church, actually, really great and very supportive. Yeah. Um, of us both as a couple, and and while we were here, Cole went off on various tours. Um, we did the first war in, in Iraq. People were just amazing. They were so supportive. And when he was a, when he was away, um, they sent um, packages and parcels and letters and sweets and toilet paper, which you know, all kinds of things. They were brilliant. Oh, fantastic. That's yeah. great. Wow. What was it like for you as a Padre's wife 
um, you know, and he's going there as a chaplain to support the, the paratroopers. What, what were the experiences for you like and for your sons? Well, everything changed a lot because we started moving house every two or three years. Um, and of course, that was strange. And I'd always said to him, because once or twice through our, our marriage, Cole had said, what do you think about the army? And I'd always said, no way, no way. Mm. I wouldn't think of it because I'm not leaving my family. Yeah. Um, and, and every now and again, he would bring it up and then it would just drop. And then on one occasion, he brought it up and suddenly it just seemed the right time. I just knew it was the right time. There had been quite a few situations that happened before, of course. And, and uh, But God was saying, yeah, this was the time to do it. And of course, it did mean that. It did mean moving every two or three years. Um, we had to get used to a lot of other things. We had, to, we had to start attending posh functions, which I just didn't know anything about. I didn't even know what a cocktail dress was when I joined the army. I had to go and find out. I looked it up on Google. <laughs> Um, we had expectations of us as Padre and his wife, so people had a very clear idea, particularly the more um, entrenched military people would have expectations of what a Padre should be like, um, and his wife. Um, but by the time we joined, I think it wasn't quite, there wasn't quite so many expectations in terms of... Um, in the older days, perhaps Padre's wife had to go and see every mother who had a baby. They had to go and visit people in hospital. That had gone by the time I got in there. Yeah. Um, it was protocols to adhere to, traditions to acknowledge, um, and a rank system to be scared of. We were terrified of the rank system. Yes. Oh, it sounds quite fearful. <laughs> yes, very scary. Okay. And um, you, so you left, what year did you first leave Colchester? So you're here in 2000. How many years were you here? 2003 we left. Well, yeah, yeah 2003. And you came back in 2018. Yes, we would never have believed that 18 years later we'd be back here and Cole would be the minister of the church. Yeah. And of course, in that intervening time, our memories of the church had sort of dwindled quite a lot. We couldn't remember an awful lot about it, but we knew we'd, we'd, it'd been, it was a great church, you know, really yeah. rooted spiritual church. And so, um, you know, we were very happy to consider it when he was, because by this time, of course, he was retiring from the army um, and needed a, a position. So, yeah, it was ideal. Okay. And um, going back to sort of the experience of, of Cole being away, um, that meant, you know, you were like temporarily a single parent, weren't you? With Because these were like for six-month tours, weren't they, or often longer? Well, yes, the tours were six months, but before they went away, they had training to go on, so that took up time. Um, and with all the training going on before, and the mental withdrawal, because I found, I don't know if it's with everybody, but I found it with Cole, he would start to withdraw from us and from the family as he started to prepare himself mentally for going and for the break in, in you know, in leaving us. Um, and just the preparation in his head for being able to cope with all of that, he would start to withdraw. So altogether, it, it was just a lot of being away and, a, you know, a lot of... Um, being alone with the boys but what we've what I found was that um the wives if you're living in in an army patch and a lot of the husbands go away because they're all in the same regiment the wives are very supportive of each other on the whole so there is a community in that and the army are very good at um, organizing things for families and children um for making sure the wives are catered for um for making sure they're safe so for example when the war in Iraq was on um all the men disappeared from Colchester to go mm. there um, and the police um, up to the presence in the patch, the, the quarters patch, so that we, were, we felt safer and we were safer. Yes. Um, so 
know, it's just there's swings and roundabouts. There's good things and bad things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Now you've, because army life, you moved every so often, as you indicate, every two or three years. Yeah. Uh, where have you lived? <laughs> We've done quite a few postings in different parts of England, yeah. and um, we've had a posting in Cyprus and two in Germany, um, and then our last posting was in Edinburgh, uh, which was fantastic for me because it was just around the corner from my mum and my sister, and in a whole of our married life, I've never lived anywhere near them, so it was great to be so close to them Yeah, uh, yeah. for that last three years. Um, yeah, and so is there one place that stood out more than any other? You know, that's a hard question. We had a great time in Cyprus and that surprised me because when Cole said, let's join the army, I said, I will join the army, but I'm, not, I'm never going to Cyprus with you because it's too hot. <laughs> that adults to I think it's too hot and I just don't like that. And I thought we'd shrivel up and die. So of course, <laughs> we were called to Cyprus and we went and it was brilliant. It was too hot, but we had a brilliant time. And um, the church there was full of young families and we were at the same stage ourselves at the time um and it was a great posting and then um so that was good from that that respect our second posting in germany was also lovely that was the first posting we had without the children they'd left home by that time um and so we went to germany and Cole was in charge of running um a training establishment for all the military in germany so whatever sphere of area there were like the vets or the doctors or um a particular area of a regiment that needed to be trained in something specific not physical training but you know um, academic training they would come to where we where we were and it's called church house and it was a building that had been built by the hitler youth um and then had now come over to the british and um beautiful old building and we had 57 beds and a beautiful restaurant and chefs and all of that we ran that and that it was in a gorgeous part of germany um in lubeck on the minden ridge uh, very very and it was a great posting and it was just just the two of us and we did loads of traveling around so it was that was lovely yeah. oh wonderful sounds glorious yeah okay switching back to now you you work in the caring profession um in a care home and uh with these are some tough days aren't they um across the uk um you know with the virus um how's that been for you and, and your colleagues there um, that has been very difficult extremely mm. difficult um everybody will have heard of the, the deaths uh, on the news and we had to deal with that in the care home in which i work um, and it was a shock. I've never come across that kind of thing before. I've never, most people haven't. Um, yeah. That amount happening so quickly. Um, mm. And so it was very difficult. And um, I must say that at the time I was, well, anyway, but particularly at that time, I was extremely glad to be a Christian and to have a hope and an understanding that this, you know, it was just, it was in a, a plan, that there was something mm. more powerful, somebody more powerful than us that was in control of this and it wasn't just a mess that was happening. Yes, yeah. Wonderful work you do. It really is really important, uh, particularly this time. And uh, I know that, you know, the residents, uh, you have a very close relationship with them and, um, yeah, I'm sure you bring great comfort to them. Now, you've also qualified as a massage therapist. And yes. I've never met a massage therapist before. So how did that come about? Um, 
there wasn't anything specific. It's just that it's always something I like to do. I bought books when I was young, a little bit younger, you know, I was first married and things like that. I would buy some books of massage and just try it out and um, different things. I, I just always liked it, just purely as a recreational thing. And then I had the opportunity of going on a course when we lived in Preston um, in the North East. Um, I went on a course um, and did got some got myself qualified there and um, have been doing it since then and it's it's just been great I, I really enjoy doing it do you need strong hands i think they get strong as you do it they develop muscles <laughs> yeah. so yeah okay you can sort coal out when it gets in trouble yeah, that's, a <laughs> that's great that's a great ministry okay i've got a quiz so we're going to change tack and this is just you don't win a prize you don't get anything it's just bit of fun so um i think you've got an apple um iphone haven't you i do yes yeah so do you prefer zoom or facetime zoom okay why is that <laughs> uh, because it's just the one i've been using much but i don't actually have facetime <laughs> oh okay so, that solves that problem yeah. <laughs> would, would you say you're a city or a country girl oh definitely city definitely oh really city. Yeah, the country's nice for a weekend, but I need Wi-Fi, I need shops, and I need people <laughs> happy. <laughs> um, that's great. It's really interesting. Now, uh, reading or television? Reading, yeah. I mean, I do like television, but uh, uh, reading I like. We, we like to watch films rather than actual just TV. We don't really watch very much of that, but um, I love to read. And what kind of things do you read, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I like to read all different kinds of things. I like autobiographies uh, sometimes. I like um, historical, fact, not factual ones, but historical novels that are, that are based on fact, you know, that kind of thing. And then again, I like the odd who done it. Yeah. Okay, thinking about your Christian faith and the Bible, which gospel do you prefer? The gospel of Luke or the gospel of John? didn't check that one i think the, the gospel of john i like yeah, yeah. i think yeah. yeah me too i it's yeah, they call it the spiritual gospel in terms of the deeper meaning okay on to food uh, a roast beef dinner or a chinese meal um chinese oh good that's interesting yeah. okay yeah it's got the chinese yeah okay you've got and you've got varied tastes um Yes, I do. I have varied tastes. Cole doesn't. He's entrenched in one Chinese meal and one only, which is pizza <laughs> chicken balls. He'll never have anything else, but I do different ones, yeah. <laughs> and in your, um, your own personal prayer life and Bible reading, are you a morning or an evening person? Um, definitely a morning for the whole quiet time. We pray at night before we go to sleep together, um, but in the morning we do the, our quiet time. Yeah, yeah, yeah lovely. And in terms of translation of the Bible, are you a new international version person or the message? I would say that on the whole, NIV, but um, sometimes, uh, I, you know, I do like to check things out on the message and sometimes I do like that better, but on the whole, NIV. Yeah, okay. And in terms of Christian hymns, uh, which one would you prefer, In Christ Alone or How Great Thou Art? That's a really difficult one because both of them are absolutely gorgeous, but probably in Christ alone. Yeah. And, and in your background as a free Presbyterian, tell us about singing. 
in that tradition? Um, singing, you only sing, well, at that time, it's changed now, but at that time, um, they would only sing psalms. Um, that's all they had, and it was unaccompanied. There was no musical instruments whatsoever were allowed. We had what we call a presenter who would stand up at the front of the congregation with a tuning fork um, and start the, the psalm off, and the congregation would join in. If you went up north to the Outer Hebrides, it was even longer winded because the presenter would sing the first line of the psalm and the congregation would sing the first line and then he would sing the next line and they'd sing the next line and it just took a long time to get through it. Um, <laughs> we also we, we sat to sing and stood to pray so it was just a little bit different. Um, and all the time I was in the free church, all the youth groups always said, why can't we sing hymns and choruses like all the other churches? Why can't we have guitars? And, and we always wanted it, we never got it. However, now it's changed. Okay. Um, but now I'm not in the free church and I find it so disappointing <laughs> that when I go back it's not the way I remember it because they do have instruments it's been decided that individual congregations can make the decision for themselves as to whether they're going to allow hymns and choruses and musical instruments okay fascinating yeah. and then another question uh, we know the whole bible is the word of god is important but do you prefer uh, old testament or new testament yeah um that's an unfair I'm, question really isn't it but there we go it's a difficult one because there's lots of parts of the old testament that are just absolutely amazing they're wonderful and they've got real richness in them and depth to them but the new testament is easier to read um <laughs> and understand i suppose and you can perhaps relate to it better because it's just not quite such ancient traditions that they're they're working yeah. around that's a very thoughtful answer Okay, personality type, would you say you're a pessimist or an optimist? Definitely an optimist. Good, pleased yeah. about that. And in terms of um, something to eat, to sweeten your taste buds, do you prefer what the Scots call tablet, which is like English fudge, actually it's sweeter, or chocolate tea cakes? Um, I like fudge, uh, tablet. Tablet, tablet. Yeah. yeah, good. Thank you for that. That's great. Moving back to uh, your role in the church, you lead a house group, um, a weekly house group via Zoom. And um, the question I've got for you, Fiona, what is the most pressing message God has for us during this these days as Christians? Um, I think what, for our house group, one of the things we've been doing is finding positive things to pull out of all that's going on just now. Um, and there's all kinds of things all over the news and all over different media um, places where you can find good things. And so we have discussed that quite a lot. Um, what's good and how can we see God working in it? How could we change this? How could it make changes happen for the future? Do we want to go back to the way we were? Or do we want to go back a little bit but change things because things weren't perfect the way they were before? Sometimes you can see it through rose-coloured spectacles because we're in lockdown at the moment, but actually it wasn't all brilliant. Um, and so the house group has been just, for, I think for I could probably speak for everybody, a really great lifeline through all of this because we've, as I'm sure the other ones have done, we've been WhatsApping and messaging and phoning and each other, um, sending little funny messages, doing all that kind of thing, little videos, and praying for each other. And then when we meet um, on a Thursday for the Zoom, it's just so brilliant to see people's faces. 
um, and see just a little glimpse to their home as well because you just realise that they are real people out there and they're, you know, they're as near to you as they can be. Um, and we've just uh, really enjoyed studying. Sometimes we studied portions of the Bible, sometimes we discussed a subject or sometimes we started off on one and moved on to the other. But it's all yeah. been great. Yeah. That's great. That's marvellous. Um, during this time of lockdown, uh, you and Cole have, apps, have been fabulous in leading online services. We have a Sunday evening Facebook prayer meeting. What do you think we can learn uh, from using digital online services for the future? Oh my goodness, what we can learn is how many more people are reached by having services online we've been amazed at the number of, of viewings on the services and that's just ours i mean all all the churches are doing the same presumably they'll all be having the same wide um uh, reach to people people from all over the world are listening to the to the services so that's really something to take on board because we're always seeing in the church you know we need to try and think of ways of um people aren't coming into the church to take the church to, out to people and here's a perfect way that we've proven works so that is what we need to be doing so you see us blending you know when we go back after lockdown um i mean social distancing is going to be around for a while yet but we will continue with some of the digital online services as well as going back to yes. what was yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, we're going to definitely need to do it because there's still for quite a while there'll probably be some of the elderly people yeah. will, will not be able to come back to church and they'll really need the services and yeah. perhaps even almost even more because they will know it must be it will be hard for them to know that the majority mm. of people in church all having fun and meeting each other and talking and smiling and laughing and chatting yeah. and and they're still stuck at home and so it's going to be really vital to keep yeah. on supporting them in that way and with with contact and phone calls and all that kind of thing yeah yeah oh fabulous it's been really delightful talking to you and just hearing just some of your thoughts and your passion in christ and and your love for people um my final question to you fiona is it, it in these days in this generation for our church for Christians in general, if you're going to give a word of encouragement, what, what would you want to say to us as followers of Christ? Okay, well, I thought about this, and I, the Christian faith is so often dismissed as irrelevant or mythical, old-fashioned from a bygone age. It can be perceived as a fun spoiler, full of rules and judgment, which may, take, which may make us acknowledge guilt. People try to pick holes in it and prove it impossible or trip us up in our understanding of it or the extent of our knowledge. But I have found personally that when I look at society which is not Christian, at the crime rates, the aggressive attitudes, people putting number one first, etc., I think to myself, why is that such a good alternative? What's so mm -hmm. good about not living a Christian life? My experience of God has been that he's always been there for me to turn to, to rant at sometimes, to question, certainly, but ultimately to fully commit to and love because he has never abandoned me and because I have faith in his promises throughout the Bible. I totally understand people asking how God can raise all these messages to us when I was saying, I felt God called me to Bible college, we felt God called us into the army, all that kind of thing. People must say, how, how do you know that? How, how is he told you that? And the only way I could explain that was to say that if we are genuinely seeking him and pray to him, using it with faith, learning about him through the Bible and others and just getting to know him really well, 
the the knowledge of what he wants just takes place in your thinking and your life it's not something weird or imagined but god communicates with us if we take on board the christian message and genuinely search for god and learn about his unwavering love for us and commitment to us about how he knows every detail of our lives, about how he softens the edges and draws out the goodness in us, about how he died because he wanted all of that loving relationship to be possible, then what is holding us back? Just take it all on board, get off the fence and make the decision. That's fantastic, Fiona. It's a real challenge to us about, uh, and those who might be listening who don't go to church to pray, to discover God through the Bible. If, if there was a book of the Bible, do you have a recommendation which book they should start with? I know you're supposed to say one of the Gospels, but I always go for the Psalms because I think they're just, yeah. it's something appropriate for every situation in there. Yeah. Um, look through them. And uh, yeah, I think Psalms are, are wonderful. Okay, so we need just reach out to God and pray to him, turn to the Psalms. They express deep human emotion and how God yeah. connects to that and find a Christian church to belong to. Definitely find a Christian church to belong to. And it's just to really genuinely find out where it's out, not to try and find fault with it, because people so often do try and, you know, if you get into discussion with somebody, say, but what about this or what about that? Instead of doing that, just take it all on board and listen to it and just let it go into your spirit. And, and you know, God, God is there for you if you want to. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's really enriching you've given us so much Fiona I feel like we could do a part two of this just showing us more of how God's intercepted your life and and changed you the way you've supported Cole in his ministry and the mother to your boys part of church life and I know we're so blessed at Culture the Baptist Church with your prayer your care and all that you're involved with currently so thank you so much for being with us and, uh, yeah been really fun thank you so much you're God welcome bless. all Bye. right then. bye